0: New trade regulations are on the way. Are they just another burden on importers and exporters? Or are they good for business? We're about to find out. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain. And this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. regulation a good thing? It could happen. The 24-hour rule required carriers to provide U.S. Customs and Border Protection with manifest data 24 hours prior to import cargo being loaded aboard ship. The result was that shippers got better information about what product was on the way and where it was coming from. And the new Food Safety Modernization Act could actually protect food importers by forcing them to do a better job of identifying their foreign suppliers. Regardless of their impact on business, new regs are on the way, and they are unprecedented in their number and scope. That's the message of Susan Pomerantz, Senior Director of Global Trade Management Consulting with Livingston International, a leading North American customs broker. Susan is with us today to run down all of the major initiatives that will impact traders in 2014 and beyond. So here is my conversation with Susan Pomerantz. Susan Pomerantz, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Great to have you. Now, you describe some of these major trade regulations coming down the pike as unprecedented. Is that, in fact, the case? Are we looking at some stuff that we've never seen before?
1: I don't know that it's actually that we've never seen or discussed some of these programs before. They, They definitely are moving trade and actually the information associated with trade to a whole new level. So we're, we're looking at initiatives where we're talking about having data far enough in advance to facilitate both the export and the import all at the same time. We're looking at getting information once instead of multiple touch points. So if we talk, for example, about the single window initiative that has to do with U.S., Mexico and Canada, or we talk about the Union Customs Code for Europe, all of these programs are now focusing on a single means of gathering information to facilitate the trade and yet not have to touch it again, not have to ask for information again, share all the information with any agency who's affected that wants to have control over, over a transaction.
0: Of course, it's been a dream of, uh, of traders and customs agencies for years and years, but perhaps now it's finally going to be achievable. But let's take these one at a time. Why don't we start out by uh, telling me what do you think is the number one most important trade regulation change coming down the pike next year?
1: Well, the number one most important trade regulation for next year from a US perspective is the export control reform.
0: Okay. And what does that constitute any, exactly?
1: Well, any anybody who is a US exporter has had to take into consideration either the export administration regulations or the international traffic and arms regulations, or in some cases, both. All the the requirements for the authorization to export product from the United States to any place else in the world. The EAR, the Export Administration Regulations, focus very much on commercial types of transactions. ITAR focusing very much on defense-related items, anything that could in any way be conceived to be something that could be used against the United States in in an action of war or something of that nature. The export control reform is the government now moving forward, recognizing that we've evolved, that we have a lot of friendly countries that we deal with, that we need to be able to share some of this technology, be able to more quickly and easily move some of this technology between countries. So there was a a big focus to help facilitate revising the regulations to make it easier to encourage the small and mid-sized businesses to be able to get into that that arena because you've heard for a long time that the U.S. wants to encourage export. And there's a lot of programs that have been out there. There's even import-related programs like Duty Drawback that were there to promote re-export of U.S. product or product that had been imported for resale. So now the export control reform comes along, and there's a lot of change that will have to do with the ITAR regulations, moving product from that control from the, the State Department to the Department of Commerce, and ideally making it easier and clearer for, for the exporters to understand what the requirements are. So that's underway right now. The, the new regulations are already being rolled out. It's being rolled out in phases. But along with that change comes now needing to, if you were strictly in the ITAR world, now needing to also understand the EAR.
0: At bottom, though, at bottom, though, it sounds like a good thing. I mean, you know, we talk about regulations as being something we kind of have to buckle down and get ready for, and they're generally sort of negative from the standpoint of those who are being regulated. But here's something that down the road should be, should make life easier for exporters, right?
1: Ideally, absolutely. Absolutely, it should. So, for example, in, in the current re- ITAR regulations, well, the former regulations, anything that was part of a defense-related item down to sometimes the nuts, bolts, and screws could be controlled. Well, those are just standard parts. And so the, part of the logic was to now be able to look at some of those components and say, really, do we need to control those for export purposes? And so part of the export control reform now allows for a way to evaluate some of this product and determine whether or not it really, truly does need to be controlled to the point where you have to get written authorization to be able to export the product. Should simplify. So Absolutely.
0: Ultimately, the burden would be less. The reporting burden, the documentation burden would be less, although transitioning to that system is going, could, could provide a potential headache for companies that are ready for it
1: there is going to be a definite learning curve to this. You know, anytime there's, anytime there's a regulatory change of this magnitude, because this is pretty significant, it's going to be re-educating and understanding how it applies to your business, to your product line. Mm-hmm. And once you get comfortable with that, then, yeah, it should be much easier and, and certainly facilitate more exports.
0: Okay, so if that's number one, Uh, What might be – let's run down some others. Uh, What what after that also would uh, do exporters and importers need to be thinking about in 2014? Give me another one.
1: Um, Another one would be to to pay attention to all of the discussions that are going on globally for free trade agreements. So not necessarily a regulatory change, but more of a a program opportunity to be able to be competitive in marketplaces, to be able to afford – Uh, product to be duty free or reduced duty at destination because of these trade agreements between countries and the reason I'm saying that this one is is significant is you hear about new trade agreements all the time and while those are great and they do encourage trade between the countries that are participating it also then puts a greater responsibility on both the exporter and the importer to understand the product and whether or not it truly qualifies for that trade agreement. Mm -hmm. So as an example, let's just talk about NAFTA for a second. That's a program that's been around for quite a while now. However, if we now start to talk about how the the governments are ensuring that product coming into their countries qualify for the, the claim, the Mexican government is doing a significant number of verifications on the eligibility of product. And so they are literally going to, say, a U.S. manufacturer and asking them to prove that their product really does meet the NAFTA requirements.
0: In ways they haven't done before? I mean, this is it, new? Well,
1: I, it, it new in the sense that typically an exporter from the US sending product to Mexico they complete a nafta certificate confirming that they the, they are eligible for the program what's happening now is they're asking for verification of all of the inputs to that end item to show that it truly did meet the criteria and it's the provisions always been there but we're seeing a definite increase in the requests for verifying that that's true so now what's happening is it's requiring these exporters to drive deeper into their supply chain to be able to substantiate and validate what they are claiming.
0: And you're suggesting that a similar burden or a similar requirement is going to be accompanied by any additional trade partnerships or trade agreements or free trade agreements that are signed in the coming years, I guess. But there's that big one that's, that's kind of uh, forming in the Trans-Pacific or the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The Transatlantic Trade, Trans-Atl- the, yeah.
1: the, the TTIP.
0: Yeah, and then in Asia, Mm -hmm. too, uh, we're we're talking about a massive free trade agreement forming there, although I don't know if either of those are really going to be uh, concluded in 2014, are they?
1: Uh, You know, hard to say. I I would guess not likely, but certainly they're moving in that direction. Uh, the, The world as a whole is moving towards trying to have free trade. But there are obligations on the exporter and the importer that come along with having that program in place. It isn't, it's, it, you know, I like to say it's not just in the air, just because it came from the United States doesn't make it eligible for the trade program. You have to be able to substantiate it.
0: Mm-hmm. And of course, that's good for a supply chain, too, to be able to know exactly where everything in your supply chain is coming from. I mean, that's just good business in addition to meeting the requirements of these new agreements.
1: Absolutely. I, you know, there are so many different reasons you would want to know. I mean, just coming to the top of my head is product liability. You really need to have visibility to to some of these things, you know, some of the the quality issues that we've heard about from product coming out of China. If you understand all the inputs into your supply chain, you should ideally be able to reduce the risk of those types of situations.
0: Yeah. You know, that actually brings us rather nicely to the Food Safety Modernization Act. Could you talk a little bit about that and what that's going to entail for 2014?
1: Well, and again, that's going to be the same type of a situation where we're talking about being able to, as the importer, to be able to communicate requirements to your, your provider of what you're going to need to know about your product. Where was it made? What are the inputs? Having the facilities perhaps registered, inspected, approved in, well in advance of having an import take place. And in some cases, there's two or three people involved in the supply chain, and you're so far removed from where it originally started travel, how are you going to manage that? So increased visibility far into the supply chain is going to be key to that. And really all of this is about managing the information related to your product.
0: So it's about chain of custody, it's about chain of control, and in the case of food, it's about getting all the way back, in some cases to the original farm, that something was grown. And as you point out, that might be uh, many thousands of miles away and and maybe difficult to reach, but no excuses, right? You've got to do it anyway.
1: Absolutely. And for any program that we talk about, that perhaps we're talking about the Food Safety Modernization Act for the U.S., but then there's a similar program for Canada. And there's similar programs in other parts of the world. We're, we're starting to see that it isn't isolated to just the U.S. or just North America. So many of our trading partners are doing lookalike type of programs.
0: Are they lookalike to the extent that if you conform with one, if you do all the due diligence necessary to conform with one of them, then you're pretty much assured of being able to conform with the others, or are they different in some way?
1: You know they all have their nuances, but there at at its core there are going to be certain criteria that, of course, you're going to meet them. So let let's just talk about even if you're talking about exporting meat products. So if you if you look at the USDA website, they actually will tell you what the requirements are in receiving countries for being able to export meat products. So now now you've got this single point where you can go and look at what the requirements are for most of our trading partners who might want to buy meat from the United States. And you'll see great similarities between what the requirements are. As far as the going back to the Food Safety Modernization Act, the facilities having already been approved all the way down to the cold storage facilities, whether or not they've already been approved by USDA. And other countries are accepting what our government is
0: certifying. You referenced earlier on the single window initiative. Could you explain what that is exactly?
1: Okay. Again, um, it, this is about data, and this is about a, a web-based system that will allow all of the government agencies who have an interest in ideally the in import and or an export, but I'll say import for now, anybody who has an interest in the product that's coming into their country, being able to have all of the data they need to validate whether or not it can be admitted. So if it's coming from Canada, coming into the U.S., having the information provided before it even leaves. If you go way back in time, this would have been very similar to, there was a whole G8 initiative once upon a time to be able to share standard data sets. But we couldn't agree on what the data sets would be. And I think this is a little bit of that evolution to be able to say we want the supply, we don't want to disrupt the supply chain. We don't want there to be delays when the goods start to move. Once they leave the point of origin, what, uh, what are all the data inputs that need to be provided to keep that shipment moving?
0: Right now, the single window initiative, as we're talking about it, involves what the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, or does it go even go beyond yeah. that?
1: Right now, that's that's the focus. You know, this is something that's going to start rolling out in twenty fourteen. We ha- there's there's a lot of bugs that will have to be worked out as we go.
0: You've talked about shippers needing to interact with approximately forty different partner government agencies through this idea of a single web-based interface system that sounds like quite a challenge. It is.
1: <laughs> and and to to have enough awareness about the product that you're importing to know which of those 40 partners you need to satisfy.
0: So this begins rolling out in 2014. Is it a multi-year kind of thing or is it just going to is everybody have to hit the ground running and immediately be ready to uh, participate in this program?
1: No, it'll be phased in.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, but you need to be starting to get ready for it at this point. You,
1: you, need, you, you need to be aware of it. You, you know, ideally what's, what's happening is we're moving to everything needs to be electronic. Whereas a lot of these these partners would accept documentary evidence of eligibility and providing the information, Again, this single, this single portal will pr- take all of the data that these 40 partners want, and they'll be able to get it electronically. So it all goes to everybody instantaneously. There is no time lag. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago that a shipment would arrive at the border, and until the other agency signed off on it, it could be a week, could be longer. The idea with this is that they would have the data well enough in advance or at the time Everybody would have it at the same time so that everybody could act on it at the same time.
0: Of course, as I mentioned before, Customs has been pushing automated systems for years, if not decades, in other countries as well. Are we finally approaching that dream of a paperless system, or is there still going to be some legacy stuff to deal with in years to come?
1: Oh, well, look how far we've come. I mean it's the change is dramatic from when I first started in this industry where everything was on paper. It, we we have we have come light years, I would think, in the past couple decades.
0: Yeah. There are also rewards, I guess, for companies that step up and participate in these programs earlier. Talk about the Trusted Trader program and what are the benefits of that?
1: Well, and and that's an interesting one because again, We talk about the Trusted Trader Program, usually in the context of the United States or a similar program for Canada, but now we've got the Union Customs Code in Europe that also is talking about Trusted Trader type of authorizations being attached to it. And again, everybody's looking for the importers to be party to... These programs where they provide advanced data and that their data is significant enough to be able to demonstrate to the, the government authorities that they are controlling the risk associated with their supply chain. It could be security, right? It, it, could, it could be about consistency of the information so that they know that there's no risk of loss of revenue or that the product's not admissible. They all start to intertwine.
0: We have the related program of the CTPAT, Customs Trade Partnership Against Terrorism Program for Importers, which we've heard is going to be perhaps extended to exporters at some point, too. So I guess that's part of the whole picture, too.
1: Yeah, I I would think that's inevitable. And now you asked earlier about mutual recognition type of environment. CTPAT's one of those examples where we're now talking about mutual recognition, right, with partners in protection in Canada with AEO in Europe and again being able to demonstrate once on both sides of the equation that you're you're a a good risk that you're a secure trading partner
0: can we expect that down the line customs and other government agencies are going to be cracking down even more on companies in an attempt to insecure to secure uh, international trade, are they going to be looking for information to reach them even earlier than it does now? Or, or what kind of additional burdens might we expect down the road?
1: You know, early, earlier is an, an interesting discussion because there's only just so so far in advance of a shipment being tendered to a carrier that you actually have all the final information. So I I think we have to wait and see what the definition is of if they ask for something earlier, what that might be. I would suspect that if it's anything, it will be product-related as opposed to shipment-related and perhaps trying to, to validate and be prepared that way and determine risk of admissibility based on that. I just don't know how much further back we can go before packing a container or or having the, the product ready for shipment. Living- but it'll be interesting
0: to see. Yeah, At Livingston, you deal with traders all the time. That's your business. What sense do you get of the extent to which your clients are ready for some of these changes we're talking about?
1: Um, I think it's a mixed bag. Some are very on top of it. Those who have very dedicated compliance organizations are, are more focused on some of these changes. Others are, are going to experience some short-term pain as these things start to roll out. We certainly try to keep all of our clients advised of these changes as they're coming. And as it pertains to any specific client, work with them to make sure that they're ready. But I think for as as with any of these programs, a lot of them, a lot of a lot of uh, importers and exporters wait till the programs actually start to determine whether or not it's the right thing for them. If it's voluntary and if it's mandatory, they'll start to get ready just before it starts to happen.
0: Not a good idea, in your opinion?
1: Not a good idea, but in some cases, some of the regulatory requirements are changing right up to the time that they're rolled out. So you have to stay on top of it. You have to be aware of the changes that are coming and monitor them and know that when the final rule is issued that you need to
0: prepare. Anything else out there that we need to know about for 2014 that we haven't talked about here?
1: Oh, gosh, isn't that enough? <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's
0: enough for everyone's plate for, for one discussion. Uh,
1: no, I, you know, there's always going to be, um, new initiatives that are happening. Um, I, th- I think that we should all be watching for the sharing of information between trading partners as in countries. I think that's, that's the new horizon. And so, I, you know, whether we're talking about electronic manifest type of information that, that is shared from point of origin to destination, again, sometimes, married up to the security program, sometimes not, but I think we're going to see more of that type of activity. Not all of it mandatory, but certainly in some cases very beneficial to a supply chain.
0: Well, Susan Pomerantz, thank you so much for helping us to prepare for some of these big changes coming down the pike, and uh, we'll be looking for new developments and maybe talk to you again, but thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. That was Susan Pomerantz with customs broker Livingston International. Thank you for listening. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch nearly 2,000, that's right, 2,000 videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook, LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. See you next time.